Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com, Brian! <laughs> the lottery is back! <gasps> Changed it up what, on you. How are you doing, what buddy? A, what a day. It's <sighs> it's funny to have so little personal, actual stake. It's, it's, it's weird how the NBA works, you know? Just these different, you know, orbiting planets and how, like, even something that's that's you know should be completely unrelated is is you know cause for celebration you know in in netsland so i think we all all of us who all the glisteners out there us two in the the glue kingdom um the prince that was promised myself and daenerys targaryen brian egan over there um no one wanted the knicks to get zion williamson we all felt that way we all none of that wanted to happen and okay but even in the moment, I was surprised by how excited I was when I saw that they were three and mm-hmm. not two. or Because even two, you get like John ja Morant. And if you watch any highlights of him, it's just a thrilling ride of a point guard uh, mm-hmm. who is like kind of like Westbrook potential. Um, so like even if they got him, it could have been the situation where it's like, hey, you know, they could make then they could make the Anthony Davis trade or they could keep him and have an awesome point guard and all that stuff. But three is just delicious. Oh, delicious, Brian. Mm. The big, I mean, I think everybody has all the memes lined up correctly, but my, my interest in this is, so because the Pelicans have the number one overall pick, like, does the Anthony Davis thing happen? Does, I mean, it'd be really hard for him to, to undo all of the things that he's done at this point. Um, yeah, but, okay, is the Pelicans fan base that passionate and that, to me, this is like just a guy who lives in New York who's judging what I see on NBA League Pass. Not the most passionate fan base in the world. And I have a feeling that if Anthony Davis just came out and said, actually, you know what, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to at least stay here for this year. I want to play with Zion for one year and we'll see how it goes. They'd if he did that, about that, they'd be like, let's, yeah. fuck it. let's do it. We have one year of Anthony yeah. Davis and Zion. It's like, well, like... There's not like these diehard Pelicans fans out there who have casted away Anthony Davis for the rest of their life. I haven't seen them. They can be mad at him now. If he was playing for the Celtics and did what the exact same thing, thing he did, I don't think he can go back to the Celtics. But it's the Pelicans, and they're new, and he was their only star for the entirety of their franchise. And now they get a second star, a, a, a brighter star, to be honest. Not to derail us too quickly, but you saw the Terry Rozier stuff. Yeah, isn't that amazing you know what though i love that yeah you know (laughs) because well one i think what's you know a lot there's a lot of people who dislike first take i get but to me it's like when athletes go on first take they end up saying stuff like that um and if you don't know terry rozier uh stephen a smith asked him if you know if they brought the whole crew back would you want to go back and play with the celtics and terry said no (laughs) he said no I don't yeah. think I can. Um, there's there's going to be like a book about this year's Celtics. I, it's like something they have buried something very successfully, but there is something really toxic in the water there. At least an Instagram story out of this. At yeah. least like I mean, like what happened? Is it just that Kyrie Irving is such a bummer, or like what? Yeah, and so okay, so this podcast I'm kind of we're going to do more lottery reactions. Then we're going to do end of season superlatives. A little bit late. Brennan and I have been trotting around the east coast up and down the east coast Mm. uh so this is going to be sort of the capper on the season that was and then going forward we're going to be talking a lot about free agency and so are you telling me not to bring up Kyrie Irving anymore that's what you're trying to say I'm just saying I'm reserving a lot of Kyrie Irving takes okay for the next month and a half that we're gonna have to consume podcasts yeah yeah I'll do that too so back to the Pelicans dude it's that is the team right like that was the that's the team that makes everyone feel good and right about the world. And you know what was interesting was, so won the lottery, the new odds, absolute win, fantastic, amazing, awesome. 
we we saw teams jump up way early on in the process. You know when they're revealing that, which makes it so much more exciting. I don't know if it kills tanking, but it makes it more exciting. But Mike, it's going to be so hard not to talk about all the other free agency um, things that this has to do with. Because like, really, what's so chill about this whole thing is that <laughs> <laughs> is that nobody wants to play with RJ Barrett that much, or like they whatever. It's just not something that they think about, and that's what is going to potentially you know, seesaw us in favor of getting, you know, the big free agents that I'm not even going to say their names, you know, had their eyes on New York. Cause we don't want to, huh? no we don't collude on our yeah. podcast. Is that no, no, we wouldn't. Uh, do that. Um, it is interesting. So like if you have a Knicks fan friend in your life, the two things you can tell them that, that should make them feel better though. I don't endorse doing that because They've been the smuggest losers I've ever seen in my entire more than I mean, are you surprised, the, dude? Like this is that's par for the course. More than the the the, the process Sixers because even the even during the process, while a lot of Sixers fans believed in it, they weren't smugly sitting there saying, "Oh, we're going to get Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid." Like they weren't like. But the Knicks fans were happily losing, gleefully seeing their team lose so that they could get Zion. So I'm not. I don't feel bad. Speaking but, of which, uh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Finish that. No, just the two things is that I actually do like R.J. Barrett a lot. I think he and he fits nicely with that team. And two, it, it would let the Knicks trade that pick, and there's no sort of um, – there's not like any withholding feelings anymore, right? Like if it was number one, they cannot trade number one. Even if it was for Anthony Davis straight up, I don't think you could have traded straight up Anthony Davis for Zion Williamson. I would be more – I'd rather have Zion. For for the fun of it, I mean, yeah. Anthony Davis is better, and he will be better. But oh, are Zion, you sure? are you freaking positive? How do you freaking know? Pretty positive. Oh wow! Okay. But Zion's way more fun. Zion's just super the most fun guy to enter the league since Jason Richardson. <laughs> Tell you what, this is going to be, and piggybacking off your previous point, this is going to be this off season may serve as a referendum on the process as a philosophy in general, because if they lose Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris and are not as good as they were this year, next year, um, you know, we're going to look at those four picks, three, two of which are already in the hinterlands of the basketball world. Um, and like Ben Simmons is, is great or whatever, but like certainly kind of a flawed player in a lot of very important ways for at least today's modern game came out of that with like Joel Embiid, who obviously transformational player, but like having a hard, it's going to be, if you lose all those other role players and the, the juju starts leaving, like you may not, this may be the end of the process Sixers in, in this, to a certain extent here, Mike, I think we have, and that's, what's interesting about why the, when they brought back Brett Brown, the typical move in the NBA would have been to fire the coach to kind of almost extend whatever, not dynasty, but to extend the regime that you have in terms of, you know, these are your players. We're going to bring in a new coach to see if this new coach, the bulldozer effect, see if, you know, we can rejigger things. And may, maybe just the slight changes that a new coach will make will amplify the better things that we do when you win eight more games and blah, 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 blah. Bringing back Brett Brown stagnates you. You're going to have the same team unless if you don't, like unless if Jimmy Butler leaves, which he probably will, and the Nets are seemingly going to make a hard charge at Tobias Harris. Does Tobias Harris really want to stay in Philly? Like he he, he played well at times, but there are other times when he like wasn't on the floor at all. He just I wasn't a factor. Pooch had an article too about how they're going after Butler hard, you know, just just sort of lining up their plan B's so that they, you know, are going to, but like, I, you know, I don't know. That doesn't, that doesn't get me going that much. Um, what, Jimmy Butler on the nets. Yeah. But I mean, we're not supposed to talk about free agency, Mike. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, it's, as you said, it's almost impossible, right. To not talk about free agency. Cause it's so damn interesting, especially off the lottery because, okay. So the ripple effect of all of this is it's, so the Pelicans, that this lottery may have saved the Pelicans in New Orleans because if they don't get Zion and Anthony Davis does leave, their small fan base becomes smaller. And the one team in the NBA, above all teams in the NBA, that has the biggest shot of leaving the city that they're in 
is the New Orleans Pelicans. Memphis Grizzlies are second, which is interesting that then they got the second pick, which ostensibly should you know kind of reaffirm their status in Memphis, but it may not. Um, you get Memphis getting the second pick. That's awesome. The Knicks getting the third. That allows them to trade that pick. The Lakers getting the fourth, which is the probably the most interesting interesting aspect because they had the that huge jump, and that gives them a real trade asset. You know, I do want to say one thing, and Brian, we we are school veterans of this. You know what they keep saying about this draft? The 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 talent level of this draft is it top heavy? Is this a top heavy draft? Top heavy draft, <laughs> a three player draft, uh, mind you. When have we heard before that the draft was a three-player draft? Let me remind you, listeners. Um, of course, it you hear was it every every year, Mike. That's when you hear typically it. Typically, every, every stupid year. But we had the Anthony Davis draft. So really, doubts now for Nets fans. It's the Damian Lillard draft. The Nets traded their first-round pick in the draft. Where we were told that there were only three good players. That was the Anthony Davis year, which is Anthony Davis, Kid Gilchrist, and Bradley Beal. Um, we were told there's only three good players. Really, only two of them are good. And then the rest of the draft, that's why the trade could have happened, because there's only three good players. Well, picks four, five, and six were Deion Waiters, okay, Thomas Robinson, which we, you know, we're massive fans of, and Damian Lillard. And then in the second round was Draymond Green and Chris Milton. So it's like, you know, it's just, we're going to go through this thing. We have the same conversation every draft. It's like... These are the guys, and then after that, you're screwed. And it's just not it's yeah. not the case. It's not I mean, the case. Your your big brained thinking man's podcast will tell you that you know it's a it's a nature nurture kind of kind of thing, right? Right, small. So I mean, like mm. you have a talent level and you have the fit, and with those two, that alchemy combined to give you people like Karis Levert, you know, beautiful beautiful baby dragons, like. Like Harris Levert. Oh no! Don't bring up the dragons right now, man. I'm trying to fit it all into. Are you? Are you still? You're. Are you conceding that this all that it sucks now? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay, I've given up. Good. Um, Thanks. Thank it you. It sucks. For that. Game of Thrones sucks. <laughs> it officially is like so. And and let's just dive into this real quick. Um, oh, wow. Um, no, it's just that like so. Now I see articles coming out. So everyone's really pissed about. If you haven't listened to Game of Thrones, I mean, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones by now, I don't. You know, just whatever. Just check back in in three minutes. But everyone's pissed that Daenerys um, went bad. But And then the the creators of the show, they were like, well, you guys should have seen this coming. Well, it's like all of us saw it coming. But what we saw coming, what we hoped we also then would have seen was like a little more build up to her. Like we needed to see more moments of her. That was that bad? was Hulk Hogan joining the NWO right there. You know, he just just <laughs> just dropped a, a leg drop on Macho Man Randy Savage, and suddenly he turned heel. You know, but that was Hulk Hogan was cool. This was just like, <laughs> why is she suddenly mad she, about bells ringing? Why she didn't she didn't even have the 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 good taste to put on an NWO shirt when she did it? That's the problem. Um, yeah, I'm game of th- like so. My overall hot take is before. Last season, I think you could have made the argument that the game that Game of Thrones is the greatest TV show of all time. Just like if you if you pull out all the factors, some of the best acting we've ever seen, blah blah, blah like best set design or whatever, all you know everything that it had, it it had. So if you look at like how the draft chart of guys' ability, like the three point shooting and speed and all that crap, they hit mm-hmm. the most maximum markers. Um, but the final two seasons have not been great and it damages the show Brian but um okay. Okay. draft lottery anyways how great is uh, also do you think RJ Barrett's going to be a good player in the NBA level like he's a high volume shooter needs the ball a lot perfect kind of guy for the Knicks that's that's who they traffic in but they've already got versions of that Mike uh, well so do you think do you think the Knicks make this selection or do you think they they're going to trade this selection um i mean like give me some some rumors. What, who are the who are they? So I mean, outside of Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis. So it so, would be, it would be. Now it's delicate because the draft is June twentieth and free agency is July first. And for all like the cap machinations, I'm not exactly sure how a trade of that magnitude with the salary level that Anthony Davis have has um, how that will impact their cap situation. But like it's an easy trade. It's and I'm not saying the Pelicans accept it. But it's 
here, you guys get the third pick. You get Knox. You get Nilakina. I don't. I mean, <laughs> um, Mitchell Robinson. Uh, you you guys can have everyone, even Lonzo Trier. You can have Lonzo Trier, um, and you get the number three pick. But if I'm the Pelicans, then why don't I just take the fourth pick from the Lakers and take like four Brandon Ingram, Kuzma, and you know Mo Wagner. You know what I mean? Like so. I, I, but ultimately, I don't think the Knicks take the third pick. Like I, I don't, I don't. I think if they they really believe they're going to get Kevin Durant, um, or if they're hoping to get Kevin Durant, what would even incentivize him even more to go to MSG would be to like trade for, of course, Anthony Davis, but even someone like I don't know Kevin Love or something like that. Um, <clears throat> great thought. I'm gonna st- stop you right there. My cat just took a massive BM, and it's. Perfect. Choking me. So let me just take a quick break here. A quick break. Well, let's hear from our sponsors. And coming back, we're going to do our Glue Guys end of season awards superlatives. Oh, welcome back, everybody. Wow. <laughs> How did I do? Did I do it? That was great. Um, we have an email. Um, we actually have a couple of emails. Um, so, Triboys, Lou Estevez, Triboy for Life, Lou Estevez. Um, we those are Kyrie Irving related, and Mike is putting the kibosh on anything Kyrie related until um, July. So, um, <laughs> until, yeah, we're gonna talk about Kyrie in August. That's yeah. Kyrie month is August month. Um, <laughs> so, until then, we're gonna put those on the back burner. But sorry, I forgot to put a pad down here. One sec. Brian um, is putting a pad down for his cat. He, she has bad hips. <laughs> She's eighteen. Can't bend at the at the waist, so we're using puck pads. Anyways, uh, your boy Thomas Winner writes in, fellas, to try to put this past season into perspective, I went mm. back to articles from the preseason that ranked the top NBA players. The lack of nets on these lists is striking and at the time disturbing, disheartening, mm. disgusting. Mm. No, I, I, he just put disheartening. Um, but <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah, so he goes through... Um, uh, a Tim Bontemps article, then of the Washington Post, listed no Brooklyn Nets players in his top 100 players. Sports Illustrated had Damari Carroll at 95 and Dinwiddie in the top snub list. CBS Sports only had Dinwiddie as 87th. In Bill Simmons' first NBA trade values list from December, Levert was the only net listed as the 50th most valuable trade asset in the NBA. Things started to change after that. In Simmons' trade values 2.0 from February, three Nets made the list. Dinwiddie is an honorable mention. Russell at 54, Levert again at 50th. The introduction to this update also prominently mentions the Nets. That's all changed. Going into next season, how many Brooklyn players make the top 100 list in your book? I have five. Russell, Levert, Dinwiddie, Allen, Harris all make a top 100 list with Couric's not yet making the cut. Compared to where the team was in September, the change in trajectory, at least from the media recognition standpoint, and improved depth of talent is amazing it's your boy tom thank you tom great email well researched really appreciate that um and an interesting you know it's 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 so interesting to see where we came expectation wise and where we are now we are rife with tradable assets whereas you know per per ben simmons or whatever at the beginning season we had one tradable asset at the 50th most tradable asset mark which is um which is funny to think about now at this point. Right. And I like, so obviously I've been the biggest Joe Harris fan for the entire time he's been with the Nets. The first of the original, I am, if Joe Harris is Adam, I am his Eve. I came from his ribs and I've been a supporter of his throughout the entirety. When we were first in paradise and then cast away from paradise for eating an apple. But um, he's not a top 100 player. But more importantly, uh, rolling on from that, not even that there's, you know, going from before the season to now is that the, there are it's more recognition for Nets players. It's just that, like, so you can't say D'Angelo Russell now is a trade asset. I understand at the time Bill Simmons wrote that he was, but obviously he's a free agent, so it's a little bit different. So we'll put him aside. But Karis LeVert is like, to me, he is such he's one of the most interesting trade assets in the NBA because um we know that he's valued around the league because the Nets are constantly sort of warding off trade requests for Karis LeVert. They've been doing it for years, we understand. Um, 
he reached a pinnacle that I don't think a lot of people expected him to reach, that he reached it this season. Um, he can fit on any roster. And I was thinking about this. So his college coach, John Beeline, is now the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And what I'm about to say, Brian, is not going to be popular, and I don't want it to happen. Okay? Uh-oh. But if Sean Marks is really swinging big, and let's say – so here's the thing. If Kevin Durant comes here, we understand that Kevin Durant is close with Karis LeVert, and part of the reason why he may come here would be to play with Karis LeVert. So, okay, all that is understood. But let's say it's not Kevin Durant. Let's say it's, I don't know, Kyrie Irving and – to not Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler. What a combo that would be. If they want a third guy, Kevin Love to the Nets makes sense. Kevin Love to the Nets almost makes sense in every scenario. Oh, um, no. Now, the Nets would not, would not, and I don't want them to, they would not give up Karis LeVert for Kevin Love. They wouldn't do it. Kevin Love was hurt. Um, LeVert is younger, cheaper, your homegrown player. He was Marx's first first round pick um so there's a real investment there i do think it's interesting we know john beeline loves karis levert because everyone loves karis levert um i wonder how much john beeline sort of reaches out and says you know i need one of my guys on my roster if i'm going to do this right now again the Nets would say no. I think they would say no, right, to a straight-up Kevin Love, Karis LeVert. That's yes. Yeah. Okay. So, what would be the what could what could be the overwhelming package where the Nets are understanding? Well, the Cavs have the fifth overall pick, and I think it would be too rich to give up five in Kevin Love. I'm just saying, I'm worried a little bit. I'm worried that the Cavs are hard charging. For Karis LeVert, because he's the best Michigan grad right now. I mean, unless I don't, I don't know how you feel about Mo Wagner or Trey Burke, but I think that's my. I'm just saying it's out not, there. Not strongly, I guess. Um, yeah, man. I mean, uh, it, I don't, I don't see any of that. Happening. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening. I'm just, <clears throat> I'm concerned. I'm worried. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm a little worried. <laughs> well, um, sleep tight because that seems unlikely to me. Yeah, I mean, like I just. Um, it's been so interesting and, and we've talked about this in the past, but like, as, as I like, as we're looking at everyone's strategies going into free agency and, and I'm not going to talk too much about the free agency stuff, but, <laughs> Don't but <you> like, dare. <laughs> but it's, it's, we have this, um, sort of trump card in that, you know, we are magically turning low value assets into high value assets, you know, part of that hashtag culture, hashtag progress stuff. And um, if there is, like, a legitimate pattern of that, and this is also why I'm, like, and we can get into this in future episodes, but, like, why I'm pretty wary of doing anything majorly transformative, like adding a bunch of new high-profile players, and you begin to dilute those cultural elements that begin to basically become, like, a breeding ground for, you know, just talent. Um, And that's not to say that, like, you know, that wouldn't be great or whatever because you make a run at a chip, but I think it's, like, I'm I'm more interested in just seeing like how how long can we lay this groundwork? How much fruit can it bear over time? Like we're in a really interesting position with management now, where they're they're you know pooping gold, and um, I want to see how long those those golden the, I'll use golden <laughs> eggs. They're <laughs> it's called golden eggs, like goose that lays the golden egg. I don't know. Anyways, uh, I, I just think we're in a really interesting position where, like, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that if we draft, even at 17, like, I have a lot of faith that that's going to pan out, you know? Right. So that's sort of why I love this draft, um, going back to the draft lottery for a sec, is that because the prevailing wisdom is that after the third pick, of course, there's still tiers, but there's, like, a just a big mess of players that the guy who goes seventh could be horrible and the guy who goes 27th or 17th could be great um typically in bad drafts that i mean no matter how bad the draft is there's still like little bright spots right throughout the rest of the draft there's like that guy hit that guy hit that guy hit um speaking again about that anthony davis draft whereas davis could Gilchrist, bradley beal and then you go to the second round with draymond green and chris middleton two guys who are max free agents you know so I I love the position the Nets are in in this draft, actually. Like, of course you want them to be higher if they could have been higher in the draft. 
um, because then they have more of a say about which player comes to them. 17's like a good spot. That's the spot where you're right after sort of like you're so there's the top talent, of course, in the draft. And then the teams at the end of the lottery do sort of desperate things typically. Like they they draft for need because um, you know, they're just out of the playoffs and they feel like, okay, if we just get like a a a good uh, three point shooting four, you know, that's all we need. So let's just focus on that and just get that guy. Talent falls out of the lottery because teams draft for need at the end of the lottery. So Nets are sitting there at 17 in a good position. Um, end of the first round, you know, whatever. And, but then that first pick in the second round is oh, being in that second round, being able to structure the contract of how you want it is great. Now, the one thing about that, it's looking likely that the Nets are going to try to trade Alan Crabb, right? Um, and they're going to have to use at least I would think they have to use two of these picks to do that mm. in some combination. Um, 17 in the first pick of the second round should probably just get it done. Like that's pretty, uh, you know, the net, the nets, the nets took on Kenneth Fareed and Daryl Arthur for not nearly that type of package. So I think it would get it done. Um, <clears throat> I mean, that's only in a world where like legit free agent, you know, financial maneuvering needs to happen. And right. if that isn't the case, then like, bull, bull, what's up? Come on, let's do this. Let's start memeing. Um, you want to do end of season rewards? Sure. Do you like bull, bull real quick? I love bull, bull. And Me too. Freaking, if bull, bull falls because of some injury concerns, dude, bring them on. Bring mm-hmm. on bull, bull. That's why it would be such bad GMs. Like, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> just full Screw meme it. every time. Screw injury concerns. Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, no, I, I mean, also... I would have drafted Thon McCor, uh, McCurr, number one overall. <laughs> McCurr. That's how it is, man. It's what? not. It's not, it's not Maker? Maker. No. It this. I think it came. I mean, it's probably. I mean, it's always been the case, but it, there's been like this groundswell of like recognition that actually his name isn't Maker. It's McCurr. It's it's not. I don't like it. I'm not going to do it. Please don't. Um, Maker so, is a great last name. Anyway. And Thon's an amazing first name. And yeah. together, it's iconic. Uh, yeah. But it's McCurr. Um, something like that. Okay. This is the Glue Guys End of Season Superlatives. Oh, my God. Was that good, Brian? You're like a... That this was like... Is... I saw you at like nine years old just then. That's what you... You just like... You just <laughs> lost 20 years where you just looked through <laughs> You know, where most kids are in the backyard dreaming of hitting a home run in the bottom of the ninth to win the game, I was dreaming of hosting a podcast. You made a little, like, TV out of a a cardboard box. And And I would, like, sit in it. (laughs) And I would have a fake cup of coffee. And I'd be like, smoke a cigarette. I would smoke a real cigarette. Smoke a cigarette? Were you watching TV in, like, the 50s? (laughs) We only got the cozy channel back then. Yeah. Okay. okay, this is our end of season superlatives. Um, this is our putting a bow on a show on the season that was the, the best season that we witnessed, really, um, under our glue guy's reign. Um, some of these are classics awards. Some of them I've just made up mostly on the spot. Some of them were submitted by um, glisteners, and I really super duper appreciate it. I'm just going to kind of go down the list that I sent you. Um, I'm not gonna have, like build up any drama towards the the our MVP award. I'm just gonna kind of roll through, and we'll kind of play off of it. Do um, so the first award, which is our MVP award, it's the the friend who has outdoor space award. Um, I cl- I classify that as basically the MVP, but someone who brings the most to the table, elevates the group the most. Brian, who was that for the Nets? Well, it's an interesting way to phrase it right because the friend who has the outdoor space um is like you're, you're sort of just benefiting by proxy you know um yes like yeah so it's an interesting way like turn of phrase so if i was just gonna say like mvp obviously i think it's like d'angelo russell mm-hmm. um but i think <clears throat> like if, if we're talking about the team as a as a whole and like you know they're they're i think karis lavert may win that award just because like you know, I think everyone expected a little bit of this jump from D'Angelo um, and to a way lesser extent, some kind of jump from Karis. But Karis LeVert has really positioned himself as 
very closely the second place best best player on this team and you know sort of didn't I mean everyone saw the potential there but nobody saw it breaking down the way that it has um I just think it's like you know he's he's tangentially benefiting the team in a way that somebody with outdoor space might benefit a friend group you know (laughs) so I'm giving it to Karis LeVert um I went classic I went D'Angelo Russell uh why because so again with sort of within within the award it's you know Someone who provides benefit to others while also having an elevated lifestyle, the money that it would take to have an outdoor space. Not that that's like exorbitant, but what I'm just D'Angelo Russell elevated his teammates the most this season. He was the one guy who was out on the court. I mean, I don't know how many games he played, but he played pretty much every game this season while like Dinwiddie was out for a time, Levert was out for a time. Our boy, D'Angelo Russell, consistently had that outdoor space. He was consistently bringing people in, making it a party, making it a, a, a fiesta inside Barclays Center. Um, D'Angelo Russell is our version of the MP, MVP, the friend who has the outdoor space. Brian, the friend who never seems to pay for a drink award, the least <laughs> contributor. Who would be your, your smallest contributor? The person who... You end up going to the bar. It's like four or five of you. Everyone pays for a round, except for one person. Seemingly, that person never ends up paying for a drink. So this one's also an interesting turn of phrase, um, <clears throat> because like in his personal life, I gather he's very generous. But <laughs> well, you're going already. <laughs> but Alan Crab, um, though though, I think wants to be generous. Um, you know, it's not that he's he's got the T Rex arms where when the bill comes, he he you know, pulls his arms back. Um, it's just that he, he's like, he like forgot his card or something, you know, it's like, it's always like, there's a legit, <laughs> legit excuse, you know, he doesn't, he forgot his wallet or I don't know what it is, but he always, you know, I want more from him. I want him to be contributing to that, to that bill more frequently. And, and, you know, I hate, I hate to always pile on Alan Crabb like this. You know, I, I don't like doing that. Um, but that's where we are. Right. So, that's the thing with Alan Crabb. It's like, it's not malicious. It's not um, Darren Williams-esque, right? Like, so Darren Williams eh, just pooped all over the team by the time he was done playing for the Nets. It was, like, disgusting to watch him play basketball. He was so just, he he was so emotionally detached from the soul of the team that it was upsetting <laughs> to watch for someone who's a fan of basketball. Alan Crabb is not that. He he does he is engaged and he's a part of the the team and tries to play the role that he's in. But he's also getting paid what 18 million dollars a year uh and he's not buying drinks for people on the floor. He ain't winning any games and unfortunately he got hurt before the playoffs cuz they really needed an Alan Crabb uh before the playoffs or during the playoffs and especially with Joe Harris not playing well. And we still haven't really gotten an answer for why he didn't play well. So it, it's Alan Crabb. He's the friend who never seems to pay for a drink. Um, third award, the Quincy AC Award. Um, how would you define the Quincy AC? The Quincy AC Award is a time-honored tradition of a, a role player <laughs> who, uh, <clears throat> like, there, <laughs> there is a glimmer of a reason why he's out there, but it it's never... He can never justify the amount of minutes he's getting and um, like generally is is sort of like seen as a scapegoat for, you know, it's it's sort of a Reggie Evans, uh, like it had been like a Reggie Evans word. It's just a person that you s- sort of fixate on as like, why are you out there as much as you are? The right? guy's, he's, the guy who gets like too many minutes yeah. award. And we all love Quincy AC. Great guy. I love Quincy AC too. Um, and I really hate this award because it's hard. It's hard to, especially this year when it was the, like the juju was so spectacular. I, I really don't feel strongly that there was a, a proper Quincy AC on this team, but I did my best, you know? Um, so who, who's your best? So my best is Travion Graham. Um, How? and I know that that's going to, that's going <laughs> to, how in, dare you <laughs> infuriate some people. There's a small contingent. Really. Turn it's just floor. Mike. I will say it's, it's truly, it's just Mike. That's that small a contingent of people, um, who, who defend Travion to the death. 
And I think Travion's great. And don't get me wrong, like I I don't like feel the same way about Travion as I did about um about Quincy AC, but uh really would have loved it if he made some shots, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really all it comes down to for this one. It's a he's he is a de facto recipient of this award, probably not deserving of it. Um so this guy didn't even play really at all for the Nets. So that's that's <laughs> so defeated the point of the anyways, go ahead. Um John and Musa. Dude, um, you have completely misunderstood the Quincy AC Award. No, no, no. I'm going to explain it, okay? So we, typically the Quincy AC Award is the guy who plays more minutes, who consumes the minutes that should be going to someone else or the most unexplainable reason why he's playing basketball. I'm worried that John and Musa is going to turn out to be a guy that Unexplicably, should not have been a first round pick. Should not have been. Is this a preemptive Quincy AC award? This is the. This is a preemptive. But wow, I'm a little like worried anything, about a boy. Anything Musa. to do to protect your your boy Travion? I see. I get it. <laughs> yeah, Travion's the answer. I I can admit that Travion Graham was the answer, but he's also an award winner for me coming up down the road, and he cannot be both the Quincy AC and this other award. So he has to be one. Um. I guess he could be both, but I'm going to say Musa just because I'm worried that he isn't going to be good at basketball. Um, he there's talent there, like the, he he seems quick. He seems to be very excited to shoot the ball. I just don't think he he's not going to fit into the Nets' ethic. I think I can already kind of sniff that. Um, mm. but that's me. The this is a new award this year. This is the old guy outside the bodega award, the one who offers solicited and unsolicited advice to the rest of the team. I'll just kind of kick this off. It's Jared Dudley. No, um, I disagree. I'm going to disagree. Okay. I mean, uh, well, Jared Dudley is inserted himself before he was even playing on the basketball court all that much. He inserted himself as the guy inserting. Uh, as the guy offering advice to every player on the team. Not saying it was uh, bad advice. It was obviously good advice because he was famously the guy behind the players-only film session that spurred the win streak earlier in the season. He's just... I could see Jared Dudley being the type of person that as people are walking in and out of a bodega, he is saying to them... He's commenting on whatever they're doing in their lives and trying to give them advice, whether solicited or unsolicited. Right. Um, so there's a lot of parts to this, but my, my thing is like, if, if we, if we are suggesting that this is not strictly basketball related, I might give this to Spencer Dinwiddie because, because Spencer shots fired. No, I think it's a good thing. Like, I think that, um, like my, my vibe from Spencer is that like, he's, uh, first of all, a, a old, old soul trapped in a young body, um, and like his level of wokeness is like it's hard to keep that inside all the time. And my sneaky suspicion is that if you ask Spencer Dinwiddie about like I don't know politics, like whatever political science theory X, he's gonna have a lot to say about it. Um, and in that way, like maybe not like old guy outside the bodega in particular, but like um, old guy. I don't know, some kind of old guy, <laughs> some kind of old guy who you can just get prattling on about um, about any old thing um, in a good way. I, again, this is not I don't find this like to be an insulting war because like I probably will be one of these people, you know, in my future at some point. So, um, I mean, we do have a podcast. And right. Much like we're not we're, <laughs> we're we're we fit the bill pretty, pretty well here. So. This is this is one that I think, you know, it seems negative on its face, but like I like those kinds of people. I, you know, there's plenty of like I've had Bode- one of my favorite bodega guys that I lived near in Greenpoint just used to claim constantly that he um guessed the night the the day before his lotto numbers but didn't get a ticket. I just would, <laughs> <laughs> would insist and would insist that that was true. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah. that's classic. Yeah. So the next one I have is the Randy Foy award. Um which I've always kind of figured out is like the vet who the veteran on the team who would sort of least contribute the guy who you do not want taking a shot. Some of these have all shades of each other, but um, who was your Randy Foy? I mean, it, it, for me earlier in the season, it was Jared Dudley. I mean, earlier in the season, but then, then he like completely 
stole that back from me, and he was the guy who you wanted on the floor. Um, but Jared Dudley was the answer earlier in the season, and then it kind of when the team becomes good, some of these awards are kind of like, like don't make the last much sense. five of these awards could go to Jared Dudley in my mind. So I had to pick my spots, you know, judiciously, carefully. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if we're really saying like the Randy, I think the Randy Foy award is not necessarily like, I mean, so here's the thing. It's not a, it's, it's like, um, a, a spot that should be a filler, right? It should be the guy that's not, not taking that, that shot because ostensibly there'd be other, the other people. So like, here's the thing. It's, it's sort of Shabazz Napier, right? Just by default. Um, yeah. but he's also undeserving of it, you know? Yeah. And and if it's about the like shooting it itself, which is like to say that, you know, a guy you don't want to take your shot no matter what, it's kind of Rondé Hollis Jefferson for me. So there's a lot of inter- yeah. room for interpretation here. Um hard one to, hard one to give, Mike. I, I think Rondé is the right answer. <laughs> and in like like Randy Foy, like Randy Foy is classically good locker room dude. Everyone likes him. And also had that big moment, you know. I made fun of Randy Foy for months, and then he hit like a game-winning shot, whatever it was, three seasons ago. R- Rondé fell out of the rotation and then made an impact somewhat mm. in the playoffs. Like he made it a small impact. So um, it's probably Rondé House Jefferson. The the next one is people may have seen this coming. What my answer is going to be, and I'll, I'll start us off. This is the Isaiah Whitehead Award. Um, this is the guy I love irrationally there's no it's not based in logic it's just a, a feel thing a heart thing um, <laughs> i love that all of these awards are hearkening back to the 2015 like 2014 2015 season in particular that was that was a big yeah. year for the nets yeah. <laughs> yeah. um my isaiah whitehead war the guy i love irrationally is travion graham it he <laughs> there's I don't no get reason this one. that is this is truly irrational yeah. there is no reason for me to have to lo- so here's the thing the guy i love the most Beyond the big stars, of course, is Rodion's Karooks. Everyone, you you gotta love Rodion's, right? Really? So, okay, this one for me was like the most obvious. Ed Davis, like what? Like Ed Davis is perfect. has my heart. You yeah, know? yeah, perfect. Yeah. But like that, I'm not even saying. So there, there's an irrational love that you have for Ed Davis, but I think it's 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 explainable, right? It's like Ed Davis is does exactly what he should be doing. He never extends himself. He never takes a dumb three. He he's, always makes like awkward layups too. He always puts it in. Like he's just so he does it on the court and also just like I just love his face. Like that's, you know, I just like the way yes. that he looks, the way that he holds himself, you know. It's a it's a perfect backup big man demeanor. Perfect backup big man. It's the I'm not going to take any crap from anyone. Um I'm, and then again, like literally it's just like I'm going to make the right play every time. But Trayvon Graham for me was like he's I was defending him when he was shooting one for 10 every game and I completely backed him and I think it was justified in the end because he did have some big games and this is, this is going to be a conversation we're going to have in like the free agency wants and needs, but they have so few players who's de- who the thing that they do is defense. I'm not even saying Trayvon Graham is like this phenomenal defender, but I think he's a B plus and the reason why they lost to the 76ers is because they don't have enough guys that, like, really play defense. And Travion Graham was my dude. I saw, like, he was more exciting to watch on the defensive end than the offensive end. I love him. Um, the next one is, this is a new award, the Reverse Urkel. Um, the Why Didn't They Do That Award. This is basically... <laughs> Do you get that? Because Urkel used to say, used to say, if you remember the show, Brian, he used to say, "Did I do that?" Do you remember when he would say that? It was a classic line in I sitcom do. history. So when it's a reverse circle, which is like I forget what his character's name is when he wear, doesn't wear glasses. Stefan. Stefan. This is the why didn't I do that? It's very intelligent. Um, this is the biggest regret, Brian. What do you think the Nets' biggest regret is right now? Um. <clears throat> Interesting that you put it like that, like that that's the 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 biggest regret. So like I, I basically like my my why didn't they do more of that this season? That's sort of how I read it. I like it. that. W- okay. Was like um I mean obviously like there's a reason for this because one of the players is hurt for a long time, but the the Jared Allen and Karis Levert chemistry was really percolating for a long time there. And when Levert came back, they didn't see a lot of we didn't see a lot of that. 
and I wanted I wanted those Levert to Allen Ali. So we got a little bit of in the playoffs. So they started to like find their mojo again, but for like you know those whatever fifteen games towards the end of the season, I was like, hey, do you guys remember how tight that that like little pick and roll you guys had was? Like it was really good. You should do the more of that. <laughs> Um, and so, so yeah, that's, that's sort of where my head was, but it seems like you have a different, a different, uh, I don't know. I, I think, on this. no, I think that's, that's a perfect answer. Um, so my, why didn't they do that is maybe they should have traded for Tobias Harris. Um, now of course they would have given up a bunch. Like it could have been their own first round pick, the Nuggets first round pick and the Knicks second round pick plus like, uh, John and Musa, whatever. But who <laughs> you're suddenly very down on. Yeah, I've been feeling this way for I follow him on Instagram, which I shouldn't do. And it, it's uh, is it's, that informing everything? It's informing everything. My my entire. If do you I could tell be, what's, what's if, going if, on? You know how like there's like different like Dave DeFore is like the basketball coach personality on Twitter. And people have different personalities in terms of like this is my lane, like Mike Schmitz is the more international draft guy. I am the in- Instagram draft analyst. I, I would base uh, all of my picks on Instagram. And Karooks seems motivated. Musa kind of do it for the limelight, but we'll talk about that later. Um, wow, wow, busted. I think the biggest regret is that I think they should, if Tobias Harris was available, which obviously he was because he got traded, and the Nets love him so, the Nets should have thought about ponying up to the table and getting him this season because one it gets him in your culture it guarantees that he's probably going to sign with you if you are so such believers in your culture now i'm not like the biggest tobias harris fan i love him he would be a great like if i love what he does on the floor i think he'd be a great fit with this team though i am cautious to hand him a max contract I would have been interested to see what the Nets could have offered to get Tobias Harris. Because if you remember the trade that the 76ers and Clippers made, there was more than just Tobias Harris in that. There was Boban, Maranovic, and there was there was other pieces, Mike Scott. There were other pieces that got sent to the Sixers that I think cost the 76ers more than if they had just gotten Tobias Harris. They wanted those role players. So... I would have been interested to see if Sean Marks had made that phone call and what that package would have looked like. I'm not saying they should have given up a whole bunch for Tobias Harris, a guy who could leave your team in three months. I think it's a regret, though, that it became obvious in that 76ers series, particularly when Tobias Harris was playing well, they needed someone, they needed another guy. Wouldn't have won them the championship, but it would have been a nice building block to then continue to build this team, you know, the way that they want to. And they want Tobias Harris. So there Dude, you you're you're thinking like you're you're thinking like Billy King. I hate to say it. Okay, this is the Sean Marks era where you don't trade for what's possibly achievable in free agency. I understand. I understand why you don't do it. Like I understand that again, you're trading for a guy who who is gonna who could potentially leave you, and then you all the assets that you just traded you traded away. Philly gave up a decent amount. They gave up the Heat pick, which is the big the big piece of that. They gave up Landry Shamit, who. They should never have. I mean, I'm sure the Clippers wanted him. That's why he was in the deal. But they shouldn't have given him up. Um, I just, I want to see if the Nets could have made a straight up package for Tobias Harris that made sense on some level. I mean, if you give up the Knicks and the Knicks second round pick, the Nuggets first round pick, or even the Nets own first round pick and you know, kept the Nuggets or something, I don't know. I think that's kind of worth it. But okay, that's me. okay. Tight. Um, I don't know how many of these I sent you. Did I send you the the Sergey Karasev? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's obvious with, that it's Jared Dudley. So, like, the problem is you've already given Jared Dudley an award. So, who gets the bad physique award this year? Sorry, this is the Sergey Karasev award for worst physique of the year, which is Mike's pettiest award. <laughs> well, so this was listener submitted, Jason, and I apologize for not going to say this. Like Tasso Lides, I believe that big fan of ours, and we appreciate his continuing to follow us this is his award and i love it oh, okay sorry the sergey the sergey karasev word for worst body um who, who is your answer i like i i still it's funny to think that sergey Kar- you could look at sergey karasev and see like we got to see this guy in the nba at the nba level because he had as <laughs> like the most feminine pair of hips i've ever seen on a professional <laughs> athlete <laughs> Um, anyways, I said Dudley just because, like, come on, Dudbod. It was a meme for the whole season. Like, it's it's his. It's his award, you know? Yeah, so I picked Jared Dudley way too much for too too many times. So 
This, I mean, to me, it's... And now you're screwed. Of, we talked about this beforehand, but Joe Harris. Not that he's a bad body, but we, we talked about how he literally, he got this contract and had the exact same physique that he had his entire life. It's not like he came and was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get leaner or I'm going to get stronger. I'm gonna do no, he's like, I'm just going gonna, gonna to level off here. I'm just cutting it off. You're, you're just, you're, at, you're, you're cornered. You're feral animal cornered you got nowhere to go you know it should be jared dudley and uh and you flipped you flipped a coin i don't know you threw a dart and and we're at joe harris here that's where that's where you are it's perfect uh (laughs) i I love that you can see right through me yeah um did i give you any other awards i don't think i did that's it okay um so i think your i think your answer on the bodega award the the old man outside the bodega is better uh I, Don't, I think, we know we're not here to, you know, the superlative for who won the superlative, you know, <laughs> game, right? Because we, we all know. Each other. We all know. <laughs> um, so that was the 2018-2019 net season. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah, man. It'll be it, – it, so, like, going forward, we have a month – oh, by the way, I, I should have said this. So this came out as we're doing the podcast. Um, Tim Bontemps tweeted that, you know, the, the – the NBA is expected to move up the start of free agency from midnight on July 1st to actually 6 p.m. on June 30th. Um, so that, wow. well, one, it makes it a TV event, right? So ESPN is probably going to blow out. I mean, the whole day is going to be about NBA free agency anyways. But now, starting at 6 p.m., we're going to be watching Woj on the TV saying, I'm hearing this guy's going here, this guy's going here. I mean, that is, one, that's super exciting. Right, because I mean, for the most part, some of these guys are going to sign on that first day, so we're going to get that excitement. Um, so just so everyone knows that we're aware, and that's awesome, and the NBA is so smart, and that's a great time to begin for agency because it's going to matter. Um, someone did ask. I saw Doug Barrick ask uh, Tim Bontemps whether that 6 p.m. time is Eastern Standard Time. What I would love is if the NBA made it six o'clock for each time zone. So that the Nets would have a three-hour head start on top of like the Lakers and Clippers, that would be, I, I mean, mean yeah. unfair. But it's the least they could do for making us stay up and watch those West Coast games. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that's been pretty brutal. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, the the the, the West Coast has been so exciting, and it's tough watching four overtimes. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Um, I was in Charleston for that game, Mike. Oh yeah, Charleston. I ate a lot of oysters down there. You know, saw a lot of history. We can talk about it some other time. Yeah, let's talk about it some other time. I'm afraid where my minds and my words are going to go if I talk about uh, Charleston. Whoa, hey now. Take us <laughs> out of here, Mike. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, this is the BK Glue Guys on NetsDaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Um, Brian, we'll be back with so much more. Yeah, big offseason. Maybe the biggest in our franchise's history, Mike. I'm just trying to pump it up, you know, get get Um, those downloads going. All right, guys, the Nets are back. All right, bye, everybody. Yeah, boy!